your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just really love and appreciate your support. On tonight's podcast, I wanted to talk about Winnipeg versus uh, Detroit, which happened last night. Um, And obviously this game was a 3-0 victory for the Jets. Yeah, spoiler alert, Winnipeg got the nice shutout, all that jazz. I want to talk more about the details because I think there's a lot to take away from this game and some things that going forward might be really beneficial to the Jets. I, I think that there's reason for optimism long-term based on some stuff that we saw tonight. So coming into this game, the Jets had a little bit of a different look to the lineup. We had a lot of absences due to COVID, uh, you know, Wheeler's injury, yada, yada, yada. So the Jets kind of put together a lineup that, you know, on, on paper, I actually thought was pretty decent given the arrangement and the players available. Um, I wouldn't say like it was completely 100% ideal, but given what the Jets had on hand and what they went with, I actually think uh, Dave fashioned a pretty okay roster. Um, and, and so coming into that, you know, with the expectations of a game that might be a little bit hard scrapple, you know, a little bit messy just because these are lines that haven't really had a lot of time to play together necessarily. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect. D- Detroit's been playing a lot recently. They're pretty well organized, pretty well oiled. You know what you're getting with them. And while they're not a particularly great team, this is still a squad that, you know, the Jets could feel some pressure from. And so I was kind of curious to know how the Jets would handle having like three rookies making their NHL debut, including Austin Pagansky, Dylan Sandberg, and Declan Chisholm. Now, the latter two I was very excited for. And, you know, honestly, I I think our faith was very much uh, repaid in this one. Both Chisholm and Sandberg in their own rights excelled. Uh, Chisholm in, in particular, I thought was amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we wanted out of Vili Heinola playing at the NHL level, we saw with Chisholm tonight. I thought he was super elusive in space. I thought his stick handling was great. He was navigating and looking for good points for shooting and passing uh, from the faceoff circles, from the blue line, basically anywhere he could attack space, he was looking for it actively. Defensively, you know, a couple of uh, decent moments here and there. I thought his body positioning was okay. He uh, he fought for the puck. He tried to use his smaller stature to get on the inside of opposing skaters. Not everything worked on that, you know, on that end of the uh, of the ice, but I thought overall it's really hard to complain about his game. He honestly could have had a couple of points, and I don't think anyone would have been surprised. I thought he was very active. He was getting a lot of touches on the puck, and anytime he was in the offensive zone, there was more than likely something good to result for the Jets. So, Overall, a really impressive game from Declan. I I think he's got real potential to be a top four defender for this team. If I had a comparison of of like stylistic interpretations, you know, who would kind of align with what we're seeing with Chisholm, I might actually say he's like left-handed Neil Pionk. 
the way that they attack space and kind of rotate and overlap and move around uh, at the blue line feels very similar. And it also kind of feels similar once he starts looking at the slot and thinking about taking a shot himself. So overall, really great game. He was one of the Jets' best defenders on the night. Thought he was really fun to watch uh, and, and really cemented, at least in my opinion, a longer look at him. I, I think he really deserves a couple of games. You know, Logan Stanley tries his hardest, but it's obvious that, you know, with Stanley's decision-making, his spatial awareness, and his mobility issues, he's not really the kind of guy that you want getting a lot of ice time. Whereas Declan might genuinely be the real deal. I mean, he was very active, I thought. His, his skating was excellent. He just has a lot of the things that the Jets are missing on the back end, and it's why, you know, when Dave Lowry preaches aggression and wants the Jets to attack full force in the offensive zone and create waves of pressure, guys like Stanley don't really fit that mold. You know, Bolu, same problems, right? These guys are bigger, they're a bit slower, and, you know, while they are thought of being more defensive, neither of them is particularly great in their own end. And Stanley, I think, is often a little too trigger-happy when he's inside the offensive zone. So, you know, Declan's patience, his calmness and composure, I think lends itself to a much more well-rounded game. And honestly, you could put him on the power play. I think if you make Chisholm like your, your power play quarterback, I think he'd do wonders. Um, and so, you know, I, I think Declan, A-plus for me, great game. Uh, Austin Pagansky, yeah, I mean, he was there. You know, that line was Pagansky and Harkins, I think it was. Um, or maybe it was Lowry and somebody else. Maybe Veseline, and I forget exactly what the bottom six was. And at times, the lines did change. Um, much to my chagrin, unfortunately, you know, Lowry does have a habit of throwing guys around. Sometimes you'll see players just randomly get promoted or move to a different line for what Lowry might say is like some kind of a defensive shift or something. It's not always clear what's going on. I think Toninato at one point even had a shift with Shifley, which, yeah, I wouldn't really advise doing that. It's just the Red Wings, but you don't really want to give yourself any sort of... Uh, handicaps against teams that are pretty good. Pagansky, I, I think, is in a lot of ways very similar to Thorburn. He wears number 22, which I'm sure will bring back plenty of memories, but he definitely had a little bit of slowness to his game. Um, he does like to throw some physical checks and stuff, but aside from that, I don't think he really had a significant impact in the game. It's not like you would really expect a rookie forward like him to suddenly light things up. You know, what we saw with Chisholm, I think, is a little bit more of an exception, uh, but you know, Pagansky tried his best. I thought he worked hard. He had a couple of okay shifts here and there on the third line. You know, you're not looking for anything that's going to be mind-blowing, but just a guy who can fill in on spot duty here as the Jets are dealing with a very serious injury and COVID crisis. You know, guys seemingly get added every day to the uh, the COVID protocol list, so not, not too shabby. Uh, but, you know, the other name that I think a lot of people are wondering about is Dylan Sandberg. And in just a moment, we'll talk about Dylan's performance because, you know, if you look at the underlying metrics, it was a little bit rougher around the edges, especially in comparison to the rest of the Jets. But there are some things that I think are actually very positive, and we'll get to those in just a moment. Before we get ahead of ourselves, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Bilt Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. 
Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Bilt Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are continuing our discussions from Winnipeg versus Detroit, which was an interesting game. Right now, I'm kind of focusing on some of the young players that have joined the lineup just because, for me, those were like the biggest takeaways. We talked about Teklin Chisholm, Austin Bogansky, but the other big name that you're wondering about is Dylan Sandberg. And Sandberg had kind of like an okay night. I think there were some moments where... You could tell he had some rookie nerves. He made a couple of uh, poor passes and decisions here and there. But overall, I thought his game was solid. And I was especially impressed with how he handled himself like on the penalty kill, right? The PK, when it had Logan Stanley, it just really struggled. The PK structure as it is, is very poor. And when you ask Stanley to really improvise there, he struggles because he can't really turn quickly. He has to be marking multiple players at the same time by occupying shooting and passing lanes, and so it asks a lot of him, and I don't know that it's really the right role. Sandberg, on the other hand, actually did pretty okay in navigating how to mark a couple of different areas of the ice, how to make sure that you're not overcommitting in front of the net, you know, using your physicality and strength to occasionally shield guys and keep them to the outside. It wasn't exactly like a perfect PK performance, but I thought he did a good enough job making life at least slightly easier for Hellebuck. Helly is usually used to kicking rebounds out into the slot and then suddenly finding that rebound going past him because the Jets' defense doesn't clear it at all. This time, though, I thought Sandberg actually guarded him pretty well, forced most shooters to kind of go to uh, one of Hellebuck's posts, and oftentimes Hellebuck was very, you know, comfortable just sort of sliding over, um, shielding against that post and, and keeping it blocked off. Only a couple of moments where the PK really gave up some super dangerous stuff, but, you know, overall, I just thought Sandberg's performance was okay, solid even, I would say. You know, he was able to make some really nice zone exits, I thought his composure at times under pressure showed itself to be pretty decent. There's just a lot of really solid things in his game that make him, in my opinion, a pretty solid-looking third-pairing guy. I think Chisholm could slide in on your second pairing, and if you have Sandberg on your third, you're doing pretty good. Sandberg seems like he could be a nice safety valve for a more active defender, you know, a a bigger physical presence who can make a clean pass here and there, um, occasionally transition the puck up the ice if he needs to. He's not, like, a super-fast player, but he wasn't really a step behind either. So overall, I thought he had a nice NHL debut, um, and it really asks a lot of questions, I think, about the Jets' defense, right? Winnipeg spent, you know, not a ton in terms of assets, but in terms of cap space, yeah, you know, Winnipeg made some really big moves, and I think there's a big question about, was it all worth it, right? Brendan Dillon kind of came in and, and hasn't really been nearly the impactful shutdown D I think the Jets were hoping for. He's been decent, right? But if you're looking for a a really good second-pairing guy and somebody who can calm things on the ice, I don't think he's really been as effective at that as we'd hoped. It might just be a chemistry thing working with Pionk, but, you know, I I just haven't really found his game to be something I'm dying for. Whereas if you brought in Sandberg or, or Chisholm, I think Sandberg 
you know, might be decently comparable to what Dylan is doing right now. It might not be pretty, but it'd be a lot cheaper. Um, and I, I think Sandberg, as he starts to gain NHL experience, will adapt faster and faster to this league and might actually do some things better than Brendan. Dylan is also kind of an issue when it comes to, like, penalties and stuff. I feel like he is always a very borderline player. And, you know, given how the NHL is calling stuff this season, he might not be able to get away with as much as usual. Um, now, as far as, like, the other defenders on the team that might be on the outs, you know, Stanley, for me, just needs to be your seventh D. I really feel like Chisholm and Sandberg have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that the skills that they possess are going to be a lot more useful, even if it's just been one game. I know people will say, well, we've only played Detroit. How can you say this already? But these are things we've said for a while. They're not exactly new, right? So, you know, Chisholm, Heinola, Sandberg, all of these guys have kind of been honing their craft with the AHL team. And I think it's really important to remember, it's not like this is suddenly a brand new experience for them. They've been doing a lot of this stuff at the AHL level, and now it's a question of adapting it to the NHL, learning how to get that timing right at the big at the big club, uh, and, and certainly getting used to the NHL rigors. And that's where I think Stanley just hasn't really adapted as well as you'd, as you'd hope, and I think in many respects his limitations have only been made more apparent in the way that he has struggled. And so, you know, it might be time for him to ride the pine a bit. And honestly, if he, you know, was to be traded away and, and the Jets kind of sold high, I don't think Winnipeg would really regret it. I think the Jets have plenty of guys on this roster who can step in, do a pretty decent job, and also give the Jets a little bit more offensive versatility. You know, Chisholm is super fast. He's very active on the puck. He's explosive in possession when he's inside the offensive zone. He has very good attacking instincts. He seems like the natural successor to that role and somebody who could very much be... Um, a critical puck mover for the Jets. Stanley doesn't really have that ability. And while he does have a big shot, I don't think that he uses it as efficiently as he could. And so I'm just looking for the Jets to be a little bit intelligent here. Think about the situation carefully. You know, in a couple of weeks, guys are going to be back and healthy and everything. And the Jets lineup is going to change again, right? Blake Wheeler somehow is probably going to find himself with Shifley again, which that's not going to work. So hopefully we, we avoid that situation. But you know, otherwise, I would also take a look at the defensive pairings. You know, Dylan might be more expendable than the Jets realized. You could maybe send him somewhere and, and get a pick back or something. Um, recoup at least some of the costs that you paid. You save some cap space. Maybe you could make another move at the trade deadline if you think you've got a real shot at the West. And just go from there and, and use some of the kids. The Jets used to use ELCs a lot more when they were really close to the cap. So I'm kind of surprised that they've gotten away from that because this seems like a prime time to do it. With what Sandberg and Chisholm showed us in tonight's game, I, I think that there's enough there to think about long-term how you want to bring them into the NHL full-time. As for the rest of the game, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline.ag should be your number one destination for all of your online betting needs during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. 
from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are finishing out tonight with some thoughts on the actual game after we've talked about the prospects that have played. Um, Winnipeg, you know, versus the Red Wings, I wasn't really super, super impressed. I thought it was a a fine enough game, right? You know, the first game um, back after basically like, what, a week off or so, you know, just about a week, and and it wasn't like amazing. A little bit of rust. It was a little bit slow. Uh, The opening first period, I thought, was probably... Winnipeg's fastest at least to start the game and then the second period kind of came around not much happened but despite being really slow and not super exciting you know Andrew Kopp decided tonight was the night he wanted to become Alexander Ovechkin his first goal was below the goal line and he banked it off of a defender and in but honestly it didn't really take that much of a deflection it just sort of touched off of the back of the defender's head and sort of adjusted angle slightly to go over uh, Nadelkovic's shoulder, but I don't know if it would have uh, if it would have missed if he had not had the deflection. It might have still gone in. I mean, it was a pretty great shot from an extremely sharp angle. We've seen guys do it before if they see just enough of a gap at the top of the net, but, you know, a, a nice little snipe for him. And then later in the game, he actually had a couple more chances. He very nearly had an empty net opportunity on a two-on-one, but unfortunately, he received a pass and didn't really settle the puck down. It kind of bounced a bit. And then later, he almost had a breakaway, but the pass was a little bit hard for him to reach, um, maybe a bit too much mustard on it. And so it ended up skittering away, and he had to wait to score his second goal. Now, the second one was definitely worth the wait. Another two-on-one odd man situation just at the end of a Detroit power play. So it was almost a shorthanded goal, but didn't end up actually counting as one. He sniped one right past Nadelkovic. Great composure, great shot. It's exactly what you want to see. Uh, as for the rest of the team, though, I think overall, I mean, they, they just took care of business. I mean, you know, Detroit really didn't get a lot going until late in the third period. And even then, Winnipeg, for the most part, was out creating them. Uh, the line of Dubois, Connor, and Perfetti, I thought, was doing really well. At first, Perfetti had maybe a couple of moments where he overthought things, but as he started to get more comfortable with his line mates, you could tell he was starting to hit those one-touch passes more frequently. And one thing that really stands out about his game is that when he's inside the offensive zone, or he's in the neutral zone, or even inside the defensive zone, he does this thing where he kind of puts the puck out into space and lets his teammates sort of latch onto it to create counters or breakouts. And uh, oftentimes he'll also use that to keep possession. It's something that not all that many NHLers actually do, in part because I don't know if they're feeling confident enough to put the puck into space and not watch it get turned over uh, for a breakaway or something the other way. But Perfetti did it a couple of times tonight, and almost every single time it was successful. And then Cole actually had this one brilliant sequence with Kyle Connor and Dubois where he basically had, you know, just a, an inch away from like a beautiful assist. He one touch deflected a pass to Dubois who was on the doorstep against Ned and just barely missed converting on a beautiful chance. 
that line feels like it's going to start racking up points. Um, the top line with Shifley and Kopp, I thought, did pretty well. Zvechnikov, again, acquitted himself nicely. You know, when you give him top six minutes, that ability of his where he's very good at build-up play and being a play facilitator, I think really shows itself. And it's why, even though his numbers might not look gaudy right now on paper, I think a lot of the stuff that he does helps put his line mates in better positions. He's great along the walls. He's great on the forecheck. He's got good composure under pressure. He's strong on the puck, and he makes pretty nice passes. So I think he does all of the stuff that's really important to help his line mates do better. And it's why I think if you give him skill, he'll continue to thrive. Maybe, just maybe, the Jets could also give him some power play time. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad idea, you know? Something? <laughs> uh, a man can dream. Other than that, though, just a nice, comfortable shutout win. Hellebuck had to make a couple of decent saves here and there, and it, wasn't, uh, it was not an easy night for him, I wouldn't say, but... You know, the Jets did the business, they outplayed Detroit by a fair margin, and, you know, they're on to a pretty tough schedule on the road over the next couple of games. We'll have more thoughts on that next week as we actually near those games and have them played. But for tonight's episode, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like and subscribe today. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!